The Word of the Lord, from Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and shall be lifted up above the hills, and the nation shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge between the nations, and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our gospel proclamation comes from the Old Testament reading of Isaiah chapter 2, which I just finished reading for you and serves as the basis of our theme for the first Sunday in Advent. Teach it. Proclaim it. Don't sugarcoat it. Today is the first Sunday in Advent, the beginning of our new church year. This series of readings focuses on the prophecies of Isaiah made about Jesus our Messiah over seven centuries before he came to earth in the flesh. The Word. The very first thing we see in today's lesson is the beginning. The word is curiously what Isaiah sees in this passage today. He doesn't read it, which is the traditionally accepted format. He doesn't hear it, which again in his day would have been the primary way to communicate to mass groups. No, Isaiah sees the word. And one just has to ask themselves, how do you see words in his day? I mean, we know they didn't have movies or pictures, certainly didn't have Instagram or the boom, obviously. So what was this visual medium that inspired a prophet to suffer a life of persecution and ridicule that no one would ever subject themselves to? What the prophet saw is what the world doesn't want you to see. What the prophet witnessed, the world wants you to believe, doesn't matter. What the prophet was inspired by in spite of all contrary utilitarian practicality was absolutely synonymous with perception leading to believing, which leads to understanding what the world could not comprehend. Luther put it best, works can deceive. The world wants you to believe that self-centered technology was created so you can be your own ultimate selfie. That is their solution to all your meandering listlessness. But it is a vacant hole full of promises that never satisfies the soul. We fail. People fail. And life disappoints while we are disappointing in and of ourselves. It doesn't work because we are sinners. 
This legalism would never have inspired Isaiah. What inspired Isaiah could not have been further from who we are and what we want to be. Isaiah saw it, sees it, and we can too. When you find yourselves talking to a friend, how often do you catch yourself using this phrase? Oh, I see what you're saying. And then you have that moment of communion with your friend when you both know you are totally on the same page. Now, we both know that you did not literally see the words being built from letters, like on the children's program on PBS, Word World. We also know that words do not appear in a circle speaking balloon like on color cartoons on the Sunday Funnies or our favorite cartoon memes. No, when you made that statement, you perceived what they were saying, which led you to understand what they in fact meant, and that caused a momentary purity of communication that enhanced your relationship with them. When God revealed to Isaiah his word, Isaiah saw what he was saying, and he saw God revealed in the Messiah Jesus, the word incarnate, who established the ultimate relationship we could have with God by the power of his flesh and blood. Now, the word is not based on what we do. We could have quite a lively discussion about how we have to interpret and explain and reason God's word to people that do not yet know it. Many have tried and failed. Many tried to make Jesus hip and cool and relevant. They succeeded in only making him hypocritical, foolish, political, and almost completely irrelevant. Many have tried to change Jesus in the way that was more palatable to those who had trouble with his grace and unconditional demand for the surrender of their soul for his forgiveness, and all they have done is left a foul taste in the mouth of the unbeliever. The word does for us today what it did for Isaiah as well. Its power depends not on its here because it has the power to be effectively what God sends it to be in and of itself. No longer should there be the cry of the itinerant preacher. We need a new program that the people will find relevant. No longer is necessary the next coaching session with teachers of false doctrine that promise to make Jesus more approachable to the pagan. Never again do we need to look aimlessly at ways to hide obfuscate and camouflage the true purpose of the gospel and the words that God has so graciously given us to proclaim it. For God came in the flesh to give us his word and we crucified him in an attempt to stop his words. But in crucifying him, we only fulfilled the ultimate purpose of the word to die for our sins and rise from the dead, to send us to proclaim that word until he comes to us again. What ended his life at Zion starts our mission from Zion to proclaim to the world real peace comes through the forgiveness Christ won at the cross. At this proclamation of the Lord goes out from Zion in Isaiah's prophecy today, 
So the church continues to catechize the children of Christ baptized in his messianic name. In Isaiah's prophecy, the gospel would reach into the darkest portions of the world to bring the peace of God and see the nations beating their swords into plowshares. So the gospel has achieved that goal as exampled in the people of Scandinavia whom once ravaged the coastlines of Europe with terroristic Viking tactics and was converted to be a people of peace and cultivation. So today... We have hope in the power of the gospel to bring the modern-day radical domestic terrorists to their knees and convert their bricks and bats of destruction into tools of construction and creation to build up millions as the peace of Christ comes to their homes through Christian friends that risk their cultural capital to bring our enemies eternal life. As in the days of World War II, when Rosie the Riveter was allowed to leave the assembly lines that made tanks, guns, and weapons of war to nurture her children in the home, and their husbands returned from war to replace their wives at those same assembly lines to make ovens, pots, and pans that their wives would use to cook for the families. So the day is coming when we again, by God's grace, turn from our military-industrial complex and live lives machined by peace and not weapons of war. A life that seems impossible today, but in eternity is reality with Christ. For he did indeed come to bring peace, and we, by faith, will teach it, preach it, and proclaim it, until it is so. We see what he is saying, and we won't sugarcoat it for anyone. Amen. Now may that peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.